interrupt your special announcement to bring you this regularly scheduled programming. Congratulations! Bonus your energy! Try again. Hey, it's Coolio if you don't know, and it is time for yet another episode of Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM in, uh... It, well, it was sunny downtown Halifax uh, this earlier today, but uh, not so sunny anymore. I think we might be seeing a fair amount of rain coming up during the weekend, but we'll get to that in about half an hour's time. For now, uh, let us see what is going on over at lowbiasgaming.net. And right now is not a whole lot. Um, we have Jason with four episodes of Shovel Knight, and that's about it. But, um... Yeah, we have, um, Scarlet has not had a whole lot of time, uh, with his job and his kids, so, um, but I have also been, uh, streaming ahead in time, um, I have a little bit of editing to do before that goes up, but, um, hopefully that will be up soon-ish, I know the, the last session that I had will be kind of a nightmare to edit, because it didn't go all that well, but, um, as soon as that's ready for you, I will put it up for your uh, delectation. Uh, we also have a few episodes of Mystery Science Theater, with the last one posted being The Atomic Brain slash What About Juvenile Delinquency, um, which I believe the uh, latter is a short that plays during the episode. And uh, the 365 Days of the Super Nintendo is still in full swing with the latest episode there, Marvel Superheroes War of the Gems. So that's a nice thing to go and check out. Uh, speaking of Marvel, I, I did go to see Captain Marvel and it's pretty good. Um, if you want to see a more uh, in-depth exploration of Captain Marvel, I do believe it's the last episode of Real Geeks. Uh, does cover that. It's over at um, youtube.com slash geeks versus nerds uh, versus is spelled out and uh, you can go check that out and see what um, Mike and uh, Paula had to say about that. Anyway, that is what is going on today. Uh, well, that is the beginning of what is going on today, but we have plenty of more stuff going on today. So let's get to that, shall we? You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM, Halifax. Tell 
Listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. That was a rock cappella with Where in the World is Carmen San Diego, which probably gives away what I'm covering in today's archives. The notorious Carmen San Diego is on the loose. She and her gang are swiping precious landmarks and treasures all over the map. They're filching everything from the Mona Lisa smile to the Statue of Liberty's torch. Squads of A's detectives are already in hot pursuit. Intrepid investigators like those pictured here. But Carmen's not easy to nab. She's a very furtive fugitive. So there's plenty of challenging excitement waiting for you. So this is uh, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego. It's an educational game. Uh, this one in particular for the Super Nintendo. Uh, developed by Broderbund, published by Electronic Arts, and released in 1993, which I played for the uh, Low Bias Monthly for October 2015. A little bit of a late entry, but, you know, working on those late entries for you guys. Uh, it was uh, good, edu e good educational games, and uh, I have a video. It's just the one video, so it's not too long. I'm not going to play through the entire campaign for you, because... That would get probably a little boring, but um, it's still worth checking out. And uh, if you do have the chance to play it, I would definitely suggest it. Maybe even check out some episodes of the old game show where that uh, song came from, because that's pretty good too.
That was Hold Up by AGM, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And welcome back to Square Wave Symphony here on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Your home for video games, chiptunes, and all things weird and geeky. And speaking of weird, it is time, of course, for the news of the weird. And as uh, I've previously mentioned several times, I am looking for something uh, other than news of the weird, but similar to it in that same sort of uh, digest format. Um, if you do happen to know of anything, please let me know over on Twitter at SquareSim, S-Y-M. Uh, these stories have been scanned for objectionable content, but I have not read these stories ahead of time, and some of these might not jive well with all audiences. This segment is about, uh, 13 to 15 minutes long or so, so take that as you will. Our lead story, Religious Interpretation. Brewery worker Del Hall of Newtown, Ontario. Uh, Ontario? Ohio. How do I get Ontario from Ohio? Let's start over. Brewery worker Del Hall of Newtown, Ohio, in the States, is taking an unusual approach to fasting for Lent this year. Hall, who works at the 50 West Brewery in Dayton, is going on an all-beer-only diet until Easter. That sounds like a terrible idea. He told WKRC-TV that monks from the 1600s inspired him. They would take a popular style of beer in Germany, Bach beer, make it extra hearty, and that would be their liquid bread. And that's what they would call it, Hall said. He is, however, including all types of beer in his Lenten fast. This seems very daunting, Hall noted. I'm just curious if I'm up to the challenge. He is planning to check in with his doctor during the fast. 
I don't know if it was. I mean, if it was me, that'd be a pretty fast fast, because I wouldn't last very long. I. Well, then again, I don't typically drink, so this is not the sort of thing that I would try, and it's definitely not the sort of thing that I would advise. This seems like 57 kinds of bad idea. Going out in style, drivers along southbound Interstate 880 in Hayward, California were pleasantly surprised on March 4th when they saw $20 bills flying through the air. Some motorists stopped to collect as many as they could, but the mystery lay in where they came from. The next day, members of a family who, who wished to remain anonymous admitted to KTVU that they tossed $500 worth of bills into the air as they drove back from a funeral. The unexpected windfall was intended to honor their deceased family member. It's an Oakland thing, one person explained. That's generous, honestly. But, um, hey, it, if it's money that you weren't expecting to have, I guess that's one option to, you know, for something to do with it. And, I'm sure they made a lot of people happy. I kind of like that. These are cool people in Oakland. Our next story, The Scrooge Report. As Clayton Lucas, 25, was being transported through East Deer Township, Pennsylvania from a halfway house to a treatment class on the morning of March 4th, 69 days after Christmas, the van it actually says that, the van driver regaled him with Christmas songs. Turned out, Lucas isn't a fan of holiday tunes, so he reached into the front seat and began choking the unnamed driver who was, who was strangled almost to the point of losing consciousness, according to police. KDKA reported that another driver flagged down a state trooper and alerted him about an altercation hap- oh, Sorry, microphone. About an altercation happening on the shoulder of the highway. After a struggle to, to get handcuffs on Lucas, the officer deposited in the Allegheny County Jail, where he will face multiple charges. I mean, I agree that March 4th is not the time to be singing Christmas music. There are better ways to make your voice heard. You don't need to go silencing people by force. Just saying. Our next story, let's make a deal, and it's probably nothing to do with the game show. In Granville County, North Carolina, Melissa Ann Godshall, 31, and her boyfriend, Robert J. Ken Kennerly, 46, bit of an age split, but I'm not judging, uh, were minding their own business, panhandling at the side of the road when a car pulled over and Godshall received an unusual proposal. Levin, oh boy, Levin Lomtadies, Lomtadides, something like that, 44, from the nation of Georgia, oh boy, would pay her $12,000, give her a car, and make rent payments for her if she would marry him so, she, so he could stay in the United States. She agreed, according to U.S. Attorney Robert J. Higdon Jr., and Kennerly served as a witness at their nuptials. Alas, this romantic partnership was not to be. On March 7th, Godshall and Lomtadides were indicted by a federal grand jury and charged with conspiracy to commit marriage fraud, actual marriage fraud, visa fraud, and making false statements in, in, in immigration proceedings, the Raleigh News and Observer reported. If convicted, the two faced 30 years in prison and a $250,000 fine. 
Bestman Kennerly also faces prison time and fines for aiding and abetting marriage fraud. 30 years? What? I mean, I can I can see this being a problem, but not 30 years. It, this is not a 30 year problem. Oh my goodness. Like, if if this Lomdadides person is not dangerous, then lay off. There are other people who can use that space for 30 years, not these two. Like, I don't know. Um, so, a couple of days ago, Ragnats told me not to be an idiom. But um, let's go see what an idiom in action looks like. In Ljubljana, Ljubljana, Slovenia, I hope I said that right, an unnamed 21-year-old woman and a 29-year-old relative were arrested for insurance fraud, police announced on March 11th, after the young woman cut off her hand in order to collect almost 400,000 euros in insurance payments. Two other relatives were released in the case. The four had recently signed up with five different insurance companies for a life and injury coverage. With one of her accomplices, she intentionally amputated the hand at the wrist with a circular saw, hoping to stage it as an accident, said police spokesman Walter Zerinsky, according to the Daily Mail. The group left the hand behind when they went to the hospital, intending to ensure a permanent disability, said police, but doctors at the Ljubljana University Medical Center were able to retrieve and reattach it. The woman and her accomplice face up to eight years in prison. I would personally rather have the hand. I I mean, uh, 400,000 euros would be nice to have, but I would rather have use of my hand and not be committed in fraud. There's a lot of people committing fraud in these news of the weird today. That's... Uh, what people do for money, I suppose. Anger Management, Wedding Edition. As a wedding party of 30 guests gathered on the beach at Oceanfront, in, uh, Oceanfront Park in Ocean Ridge, Florida on March 3rd, Jeffrey E. Oliver, 27, and his bride posed for, photo, posed for photos before the ceremony. Trouble erupted when a 24-year-old man would not move from his spot on the beach to make way for the photos, the Palm Beach Post reported. In fact, Oliver told police the man wouldn't relocate even after being offered $50 and became, quote, very belligerent. So Oliver punched him in the nose. The victim told Ocean Ridge police a groomsman held him while Oliver punched him three times and the police report noted that the victim's, quote, nose appears to be out of place sitting more to the right of his face, end quote, and his glasses were broken. You wouldn't hit a guy with glasses? Well, this guy would, I suppose. Oliver spent what would have been his wedding night in the Palm Beach County Jail and faces charges of aggravated battery and criminal mischief. He and his fiancée married the next day, shortly after his release from jail. See, now this is a person who should have gotten a little bit more time. People committing fraud and getting, you know, 8 years, 10 years... 30 years, and then this person gets out the next day? After punching someone in the nose? Oh boy. 
things that are wrong with the justice system, but that is political discourse. Let's not get into that and talk about people who are different from us. He's been dubbed the Naked Carpenter. Oh, this is already starting pretty well. Uh, for renovating his home wearing only a tool belt. But Robert Jenner, 43, of Snobland, Kent, England, seems to have crossed the line with local jurors. Jenner was convicted on March 12th of 10 counts of indecent exposure in Canterbury Crown Court. Jenner's nudist habits have put him on the wrong side of law enforcement before, reported Metro News, but this time his offenses including delivering package for, uh, packages for a courier service wearing trousers with a hole cut out of the crotch, exposing himself to a teenage girl, and running, pa uh, running past a children's play area while wearing see-through trousers. Jenner's attorney, Kate Chigi, uh, tried to explain her client's behavior. It was not his intention that people were, were caused distress by what he did or didn't wear. He, she added that he strongly believes in naturism. I mean, there's naturism and then there's cutting a hole in the split of your pants. That seems a lot more deliberate than naturism. Anyway, here's a crime report for you. Alicia Johnson, 21, apparently needed some alone time on March 9th, so she took a full cart and a six-pack of Stella Artois beer into a dressing room at Target in Lathrop, California, where she hunkered down for more than an hour, according to police. Johnson finished all the beer and left the store with about $200 worth of unpurchased merchandise. A loss prevention officer stopped her and she was taken to the San Joaquin County Jail where she was held on $60,000 bail. Johnson also had three outstanding warrants, reported KTXL News. I was gonna say $60,000 for $200 of uh, getting drunk in public. I mean, that didn't seem quite right, but eh, outstanding warrants, I can see that coming, I suppose. Um, yeah, so that happened, and here's another bright idea that someone had, and that'll be our last story for today. Looking for a way to banish evil spirits? I know I am. Check into the lighthouse near Frome, Somerset, England, where a group called Universal Medicine will help you burp your troubles away. The Mirror reports that the group, founded by Serge Benhayen in 1999, ran up against the law last year in Sydney, Australia, where a civil court declared it a, quote, socially harmful cult and found that it makes false claims about healing. Members are told what to eat and who to associate with. A girl named Kasha told the BBC her mom joined the cult when the girl was 12. She started burping ridiculously and she said, I'm just burping out bad spirits, Kasha said. She's still my mom and I love her, but she's never going to be this, the person that she was. Ben Hayen, a failed tennis coach who claims to be the reincarnation of Leonardo da Vinci, still lives in Australia but visits the lighthouse twice a year. Burping the bad spirits out. I mean, I've heard crazier things. Um, socially harmful? I don't know. 
maybe the the whole thing about who to associate with is kind of socially harmful, but as some people like to say, better out than in. Um, what exactly that means is a little beyond me, because I don't know. That, Well, I guess. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Let's talk about the weather, shall we? And there is, in fact, a rainfall warning in effect for this weekend. Uh, rain heavy at times is expected. A trough of low pressure approaching from the west will spread rain across Nova Scotia, beginning over southwestern regions this afternoon. The rain will reach eastern evenings, uh, reach eastern regions this evening. The rain will become heavy at times, especially over Atlantic coast regions, where up to 40 millimeters are forecast. In addition, strong and mild southwesterly winds accompanying the rain will give substantial snowmelt. Significant water runoff may cause minor flooding of roads and culverts. Heavy downpours can cause, ca cause, can cause flash floods and water pooling on roads. Localized flooding in low-lying areas is possible. Rainfall warnings are issued when significant rainfall is expected. So there is that. Uh, currently, we're looking at a temperature of 5 degrees on the plus side here in Halifax with mostly cloudy skies, uh, no wind chill uh, reported. Uh, rain at times heavy is expected for tonight, as previously mentioned, with a low of plus 5, so we're already there. Uh, that rain may continue on Saturday, March 16th, where we're looking at a 6% chance of showers and a high of plus 8, going down to a low of minus 4 and a few clouds at night. Sunday, March 17th, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus 3, going down to a low of minus 6 in cloudy periods at night. Sun uh, Monday, rather, it, March 18th, sunny skies and a high of plus 1, going down to a low of minus 7 in clear skies at night. Tuesday, March 19th, sunny skies and a high of zero, going down to a low of minus eight and clear skies at night. Wednesday, March 20th, sunny skies and a high of plus two, going down to a low of minus four and clear skies at night. And Thursday, March 21st, a mix of sun and cloud and a high of plus six degrees. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax, and let us get some more music.
That was Chameleon by Sean Daly from his album Comic Book Music Volume 1. And you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Welcome back to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And today I want to talk about a game. Three of them, in fact. Uh, now, I grew up on DOS games. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of them out there, and the genre, style, and quality of them vary wildly as they span from monochrome and four color e- uh, CGA games uh, from the infancy of DOS to the Super VGA. Uh, blockbusters released as DOS was on its way out. In fact, some people are still making new DOS games nowadays, such as David Murray, the 8-bit guy writing Planet X3, which is currently going out to Kickstarter backers as we speak and will be available for general consumption before too long. Well, a couple of people got the idea to create a club, uh, much like a book club, which uh, selects a book to read every month and gets together to talk about it, the DOS Game Club picks out a game to play every month, allows for o- open discussion of the game during that month and beyond on their forum, and then its founders, Martine and Florian, uh, pick a member of the club or two and report uh, record a podcast approximately monthly. I'm currently going through the podcast now, but I've scanned through the list of games they've played and figured I'd put in my two cents on a couple of their selections. Now, the first one on tap is Scorched Earth. This is an artillery game developed and published by Wendell Hicken and re- originally released in 1991. The self, uh, self-proclaimed mother of all games, Scorched Earth is probably best known for the ludicrous amounts of options and weapons available. It wasn't the first of its genre, but it went out of its way to show off what the genre can do four years before the Worms franchise inched its way onto the scene. It's almost not worth talking about the presentation. Uh, The sound is rudimentary PC speaker noise, which, albeit being somewhat memorable in parts, can still get grating to some. For the most part, the graphics are pretty cut and dry as well. There is, however, the possibility to scan 256 color images of things like mountain ranges and scenery to use as maps, a couple of which are included with the game. Also, it's hard to deny that watching enormous explosions fill the screen is pretty gratifying. However, 99% of this game's charm is in the mechanics and the vast amount of customizability that this game offers. There are weapons that set your opponents on fire, there are weapons that seek them out, uh, as long as you use them right. There are weapons which cover them in dirt and practically uh, force them to practically have to fire upon themselves to get out, and there are others still which just cause pure chaos across the entire map. There are preset AI opponents and the possibility to tweak the variables and make them your, uh, make your own AI opponents. You can change gravity, you can change air viscosity, uh, you can make it so that the map borders wrap around, bounce your shots, or just block them. You can play turn by turn or have everyone choose their shot and have them all go off at once. Really, there are so many options with this game that chances are it won't be too excuse me, it won't be too hard to find the setup which keeps you hooked for a long time. Next up is Commander Keen in Invasion of the Vorticons. This is a series of platformer games developed by id Software, published by Apogee, and releases episodic shareware in 1990. 
Billy Blaze, kid, kid genius, builds a spaceship, the Bean with Bacon Mega Rocket, out of various bits and pieces around the house, dons his fo- brother's football he- uh, helmet, thereby becoming Commander Keen, and decides to go to Mars and explore around. However, during his exploration, an alien race known as the Vorticons uh, steal various pieces of his ship, and it's up to Keen to retrieve his parts and get back to Earth. Little did he know he'd come upon a much bigger plot during his travels, one which would threaten to destroy Earth itself. Now, if you're not familiar with the um, episodic shareware term, uh, think of it this way. It's kind of like DLC, how it was done uh, back in the 1990s, wherein you would have one free shareware episode that could be distributed freely, and then you could... um, purchase the other episodes later on at a premium. Now, around the dawn of EGA graphics becoming a thing, John Carmack, yes, that John Carmack, creator of Doom, then working at Softest Publishing, wanted to explore the possibilities of this new graphics standard. Most games by that point pretty much played with only four colors and were pretty much limited as to what they could do as limitations prevented things like smooth scrolling in up to 16 colors. He pitched an idea to his employer, who was publishing a PC magazine called The Big Blue Disc, along with a prototype simulating the first level of Super Mario Bros. They were apprehensive about putting out such a title, as they figured everyone was still on CGA computers and didn't figure it would sell. So they struck out on their own, expanding upon that Mario engine to create Commander Keen, which tends to be a fairly highly regarded series among DOS enthusiasts, DOS game enthusiasts, even today. Now that being said, the, the graphics for this game, as you can probably figure, are very solid. They had their 16 colors and they knew how to use them to create vibrant levels where they needed them and darker ones where they needed those. The game predates widespread use of things like sound cards, so we have some uh, PC speaker sounds here as well, but uh, those are pretty good. They're varied enough that they don't get tiresome, though with no volume control on the PC speaker, that's a little beeper thing that uh, used to be on computers and sometimes isn't anymore, uh, some may elect to turn them off anyway. Now as far as the controls, by today's standards, they're a bit clunky and unresponsive and Keen tends to feel very heavy as he does take about five frames after hitting the jump button for for, uh, him to come off the ground. Uh, There's also the pogo stick which becomes available as of a few levels into Keen 1 which allows for a lot higher jumping but that tends to be uh, that tends to be kind of hard to control as you lose a lot of horizontal maneuverability in exchange for that height boost. On top of that, as the controls were designed around the concepts of two button joysticks, but there are three actions, jump, pogo, and shoot, shooting requires the player to hit both buttons at once, or playing with keyboard, control, and alt, uh, which can result in possibly doing neither and just ending up in midair instead. And if you're on a moving platform, that can be a bit of a problem. Still, the level variety is pretty solid, the levels themselves are wide and generally fun to explore, and there are a lot of intricacies and details, such as the standard galactic alphabet. If you've played Minecraft, you've probably seen it it on the enchanting table. 
All in all, the Commander Keen series is worth playing, in my opinion, seeing as it spawned at least eight games, numerous fan games, and even a, a, a port of the lost episode, quote-unquote, Keen Dreams, recently released on the Switch. I think most people will agree with that sentiment. Finally, for your delectation, here is Tyrion. This is a vertical scrolling shoot 'em up developed by Eclipse Software, published by Epic Mega Games and orig originally released in 1995. Set about 18,000 years from now, Trent Hawkins, terraforming specialist, is sent to the planet Tyrion, which was just recently terraformed, to check for areas which have become habitable. However, he stumbles upon a plot by Microsoft, his employer, to fit their warships with um, a mineral exclusive to Tyrion, to Tyrion called Gravidium, which would effectively turn them into a juggernaut. Trent's friend, a lizard like Hazardra uh, named Buse Quesalak, knew about it and paid the price. Now it's up to Trent to stop this plot before Microsoft gets the Gravidium they desire. So first, the presentation. The music is pretty good, not anything that especially stands out, but it does what it sets out to do. The sound is okay, but some might call it kind of subdued. It's fairly muffled and not quite crisp enough to get the point across. The graphics, meanwhile, are pretty solid. The color scheme of the UI isn't really my jam, but the artists here made good use of color and shading to give the environments and enemies a pretty solid variety, which is important when traveling between different planets with different ecosystems, and when your ship can be fitted with as many weapon options as are available. And really, that's what sets Tyrion apart from other shooters. The majority of them will allow the player one ship and a very limited selection of weapons, sometimes even only one. In the case of this game, the player gets to pick between a couple of dozen different ships along the way, and on top of that, each ship is totally customizable and can have a, a variety of different weapons, provided, of course, that the ship's generator can keep up with the load. That's pretty much the balancing point here. The high-end generators tend to be some of the more the more the more expensive items in the game, and it doesn't take all that much for the ship's energy consumption to tear through its yield. So, do you go with an extremely powerful ship that can only fire off a round or two per second, or do you balance your weapons to allow a, for a steady flow of lasers and artillery streaming at the enemy for sustained damage? There's not one way to play this game, and that's probably why people have loved it enough to create fan ports to other systems. In fact, I have it on my PSP. You can look for Tyrion 2000 to find those ports. And that's about it for today's reviews. I encourage you all to go check out dosgameclub.com and see what's going on over there. I'll note that uh, a regular podcast episode tends to be somewhere around one and two hours, uh, between one and two hours, so it might not be as light of a listen as some might like, but I mean, my show is an hour long. You made it this far, plus their podcast is a monthly affair, not weekly, so all in all, not too bad, I think. Yeah? No? Yeah. I think so. Anyway, that is pretty much it for that review. How about, um, let me know, uh, anyone who might have played DOS games, might be playing DOS games now, uh, let me know what you play. I'm sure there's plenty of DOS games that I've never heard of, and, um, I want to hear from you guys over on Twitter at SquareSimSYM. 
You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. Gun by Triple Threat 24, and you're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. And I found a thing. Yes, I found a thing, and I will share that thing with you in a segment that I like to call I Found a Thing. Now, um, I occasionally do like to um, go over to the Brahma Camara Center uh, over in Clayton Park, and that's you know, it's it's not something that you particularly need to subscribe yourself to, but it's something that that is kind of good for you in the way that um, it's just a place where you can kind of go to meditate and look inside yourself and feel peace, but. Peace aside, there are medical reasons why someone would want to meditate. Um, basically, I have a thing here over on Wikipedia, and there's going to be a, a couple of um, uh, medical terms here, which 
I might not be able to get across quite correctly here, but we'll do our best. Anyway, brain trait changes have been observed in neuroimaging studies as far as brain activity and meditation, most often employing fMRI. In a meta-analysis of 21 neuroimaging studies, eight brain regions were found to be consistently altered, including areas key to meta-awareness, the frontopolar corollex slash Brodmann area 10, exteroceptive and interoceptive body awareness, the sensory cortex and insular cortex, memory consolidation and reconsolidation, the hippocampus, self and emotion regulation, the anterior cingulate cortex and orbifrontal cortex, and intra- and interhemispheric communication, the superior longitudinal fe fasciculus uh, corpus callosum, and those changes were distinguished by density increases in gray matter regions and white matter pathways in the brains of individuals who meditate in, co in comparison to individuals who do not. Of all areas with reported findings, a greater number of structural changes were found in the left hemisphere. Here's the interesting part. There is also evidence to suggest that meditation plays a protective role against the natural reduction in gray matter volume associated with aging. One study found evidence that Zen meditators experience a slower age-related decline rate for cerebral gray matter volume in the putamen, which plays a role in learning, cognitive flexibility, and attentional processing. Uh, this could suggest a better attentiveness in aging meditators versus non-meditators. Long-term meditation practitioners have also shown a higher tolerance for pain. This effect has been correlated to altered function and structure in somatosensory cortices and an increased ability to decouple regions in the brain associated with the cognitive appraisal of pain, the anterior cingulate cortex and dorsolateral prefrontal cortex. The brain state changes found in meditators are almost exclusively found in higher order executive and association cortices. Um, this supports the notion that meditation increases self-regulation and attentiveness. For recent studies have also investigated how these uh, changes may alter the functionality and connectivity of the default mode network, which is a hypothesized network of brain regions that are active when an individual is engaged in internal tasks such as daydreaming. So um, for anyone who didn't quite get that, meditation helps the brain against aging. Um, even if you just do it for like five minutes a day, just take five minutes out of your day and just sit there, all of your screens turned off, just quiet, maybe a little bit of, you know, ambient music or something. But no more than that. Just sit there calmly and relax. Either clear your mind or just allow your thoughts to kind of filter through. Just nice and quiet. Five minutes a day. That's all you need. There are even apps that can help you with it. So. But, um, yeah, that's the thing that I found, and that's what I wanted to share with you in the segment that I like to call I Found the Thing, because I'm the most original person in the world. You're listening to Square Wave Symphony on CKDU, 88.1 FM Halifax.
And that was Vivian Says with Vivimix 26 Terminado, which is uh, pretty much the Terminado for today's episode. Uh, hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I will be back, of course, next week with some more stuff for y'all. And I hope that you enjoy that stuff because um, I like doing this. And um, you know, I, I do hope that um, you all like listening to it. And I mean, if you've been listening to it for a while, then you probably do. But I would really love to hear from you and there are details on how to do so in the credits that are just coming up. So let's get to those, shall we? Square Wave Symphony is based on the format of the Electric Leftovers podcast by Jason Parton of Low Bias Gaming, lowbiasgaming.net. News of the Weird is written by the editors at Andrews McNeil Syndication, newsoftheweird.com. Segment music composed by Format, Manemini Miki, Noriki Kimikura, Simon Whittington, Nifless, Pink Projects, and Ensnare. Stay tuned for the Astrology Show coming up next on CKDU, followed by the Witching Hour, Sun and Sea at 7 p.m. and at 8.30, Anything Goes with CKDU Surprise. Comments, questions, want your chiptunes featured on the show? Email me at squaresim at lowbiasgaming.net or get in touch on Twitter at squaresim, S-Y-M. You can also call the CKDU feedback line at 902-494-8041. There's also a podcast version available 
uh, of the show. It's available on lowbiasgaming.net slash squaresim or just search for Square Wave Symphony, Square Wave is one word, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or TuneIn Radio, or wherever you find your podcasts. This has been Square Wave Symphony on CKDU 88.1 FM Halifax. I'm Coolio if you don't know, and I'll see you guys next time. <laughs>